Hello, everyone. Welcome back. We are Box Office Brunch, formerly The Scare Brunch. Uh, we're your hosts. I'm David. I'm Rita. Today, we are going to be talking about A Quiet Place. Ooh. Yeah. Um, for <laughs> brunch today, we are doing the same as last time. We have some cheese and egg croissants and mimosas with mango orange juice. So they're pretty good. And David made the croissants. Yeah. They're delicious. All right. Settle on in. I wouldn't joke about anything else that happened here tonight. So I guess we should probably start out with the most pressing <laughs> issue, I would guess. Uh, what's with the branding change? Why are we now the box office brunch instead of the scare brunch? Well, <laughs> um, I love horror. I do. I think that I didn't realize it's way different watching a scary movie to just for entertainment where you can go home and like forget about it. It's a whole other ball game to sit there and analyze it and think about it long term. You know, we watch and then, and then talk about it and later. then talk about it. And so you're immersed in that universe for way longer than you normally would be for entertainment's sake. And so it was just taking a profound toll on my mental health. Um, I was just in a really bad place watching all these films. And yeah, I guess we could kind of um, other than the people who know us personally which is probably most of the people who are listening anyways <laughs> um they don't even know what the plan was um yeah so um it was my idea which i feel really stupid for this because i kind of just went straight out of the gate you know i was like let's watch the conjuring series because we've got um you know conjuring threes coming out in june if we tackle four movies at once and then another three in an episode yeah. and then watch that movie we'll be fine and if you've ever watched those movies they're very dark. Yeah, they, we were gonna do a two episode, um, two episodes on the Conjuring series, um, which is seven movies currently, <laughs> and then we were gonna do a third episode immediately following on the new third one that's coming out to try to kind of be up. So that was kind of a big undertaking for, for our us. second, for like our second episode. And yeah. your girl went in hot, and she watched all seven. <laughs> And um, they just really mess with me, like on a very, and I mean, not to get super into it, but, you know, just on a religious aspect, you know, I grew up mega Catholic with strict parents and yeah. um, they just always have reiterated that you invite that stuff into your life when you watch it. And right. so it just, I think there were a lot of things circling around for me in terms of just how I felt, how the films were making me feel and how I felt about everything. And um, so ultimately I was trying to power through it, but I wasn't sleeping Yeah, and I was just miserable. And I went to David and said like, Hey, I'm, I'm really miserable. I'm not enjoying this. Like I regret like pigeonholing us to just like one subject because David and I have bonded over film in general, not yeah. just horror. 
Um, and we love talking about the new movies that come out. And so I was like, I wish we would have just done like all films. And he was like, well, why can't we? And I was like, because we just like came out with this episode and we've like already kind of advertised ourselves as a horror podcast. Um, but he was a very good friend. He was very understanding. And ultimately we just decided like, we want to have fun with it. We don't right. necessarily think we're going to be famous, but like, <laughs> that was kind of the whole point of this podcast anyways was to just hang out eat some food and talk about movies and just have a good time and so we kind of had to reconcile the fact that like if this isn't going to be fun or if this isn't going to be something that you can do long term then what's the point like this is just supposed to be fun so yeah. let's have fun yeah and it was like you know we were sitting down trying to go through all the horror films and like some that were just like off the table for me for a while. And it just, yeah, I think that that was kind of another thing was that um, with your kind of like religious upbringing, the conjuring are very like religion focused and like, and like kind of like slap religion in the face. Like the, the perspective they come from is evil overtakes good all the time, you know? And I know the endings usually good overtakes, but it's like, the themes in those movies make you feel very alone and yes, yeah. because you're from the um, person's perspective. Right. And, and that's what, that's what's supposed no, to make them scary. Yeah. And there's no hope. Like these people are yeah. very like, um, like God focused people. Like they believe in God and they're like right. very, very religious. And it's like, they still get killed or like whatever. And so it just was like super hard for me to grapple with right. because there are, there are other horror movies that aren't so focused on the religious aspect of them and I think that maybe this was like a little bit tougher than we initially thought it would yeah. be to to dive into and then of course the fact that we were not reviewing one movie every couple of weeks but rather seven movies in the span of two weeks and and then another one two weeks after that we were going to kind of be engrossed in it for a while and so I think it's better that we know now <laughs> rather right. than a year or six months down the line. Um, obviously we don't have like a huge following to, right. to disappoint and we don't have like so much rebranding to do or anything. So um, I think now is a good time to do it. Yeah. And I think it's a true testament to like listening to you, what your needs are and being able to voice those things and knowing exactly. your own boundaries. Yeah. Because I think for my whole life I've been a people pleaser. And so for me, it was like, I didn't want to let anybody down by not committing to this you know it was my idea to go with this like right. I do love the horror genre but through this I've discovered maybe the horror genre that I like isn't necessarily like those types of films that like really prey on like those religious aspects and so horror isn't completely off the table for us you know right. it's just you know to immerse yourself like when we're on schedule we're watching two a month probably yeah you know and so even that to be in that negative mind space is hard for me right now right um this, yeah we also need to just acknowledge that this last year year and a half now i guess has not been normal for no. anyone <laughs> and, and we're both in healthcare, right um and so we need to just like know our know your boundaries yeah. and set those boundaries and respect those boundaries and i think that that's okay yeah and it's valuable to have friends who support you in that you know yeah. and that um you know don't put 
you know, like David was like, I'll burn this podcast to the ground before like I let it affect you mentally or affect our friendship. And so that's valuable to find friends that will support you when you come to them and say, I'm struggling mentally and I can't continue this. And instead of just saying like, well, let's just give up, helps you come up with a new idea to still hang out and have fun and talk about the movies we love. And like, we're reviewing A Quiet Place later. And yeah, that so, to me is like not something like I fell asleep just fine last night. I wasn't thinking about it because, I, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's so different. this is kind of like a baby step away from um, the scare brunch. We are we will be reviewing um, more non-horror movies uh, in the coming weeks. Um, more on that later as to what exactly we'll be reviewing. But um, this was kind of on the agenda. This was on our radar. This movie is one that we both like and we both wanted to talk about. And so to kind of ease, I guess, pe- <laughs> listeners uh, away from the scare brunch and into the box office brunch, we're going to be talking about A Quiet Place today. And uh, just thanks for all the support again. You know, I know you saw our post. Um, Thanks for sticking with us if you're still listening. We just really appreciate all the positive feedback we got on the first episode. Please, as things start to develop for us, please shoot us an email um, with any any movie suggestions that you may have. And we may, you know, throw that into the mix. But yeah, let's get started into the review. All right, so first we will start with some information about the movie. This movie was directed by John Krasinski, who is directing the second one as well, which is coming out on the 28th, which is kind of cool. Yeah, That is cool. This movie stars Emily Blunt, John Krasinski as well. Oh, yeah, I wanted to mention, we don't, they never tell us any one of these characters' names. We don't know any of these people's names. The only way we found out the names was through an IMDb search. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah, so Emily Blunt is... Evelyn Abbott, John Krasinski is Lee, Millicent Simmons plays Reagan, Noah Jupe, I guess, yeah. I don't is how you say his name, uh, plays Marcus, Cade Woodard plays Bo, and then <laughs> Leon Russum is Man in the Woods. <laughs> Who just, and that's, you know, shouts into the woods. Yeah, like, that is, that's the cast. That's the whole cast. Because mm-hmm. um, I think... Um, John Krasinski actually played the monster too. in some scenes. Yeah, yeah I did. Yeah. I did read that as well. So there's yeah. that. <laughs> uh, what's this movie about, Rita? Okay, so it seems like it's set in like a post-apocalyptic world. You know, I mean, it's very like the right. first opening scene. It says day eighty-nine, so you know it's post something, or these people have been dealing with this for a while. But yeah. um, it follows they're, the they're, they're rummaging through like an old, like yeah. an abandoned pharmacy or like. I don't know, Walgreens like a store place. Yeah. And you, one of the kids is sick. Like you can see, he doesn't feel good. Mom's like rummaging through like the antibiotics. And then you kind of meet each character. Cause in the first scene you think like, Oh, this little girl's like breaking into a store or something. Yeah. But realistically you, you're introduced to each family member, you know, the girl. And then the younger boy is like walking around and you see the dad and the girl interact. And you, he's talking to her about like, frequencies because he has all these parts right and they're speaking in asl yeah so the whole time it's sign language you can tell they're all trying to be really quiet quiet. yeah yeah you don't know like what the frequency is about you know you find out later it's about her hearing aid because she's deaf so you find that out kind of just through interactions it's a lot of picking up on like random yeah that was one of the things that i really appreciate appreciated about this movie is that with it being 
a quiet place, <laughs> there's such a high emphasis on show don't tell, right? Because they can't tell. They I can't think tell the you. I think the first line of dialogue is spoken like 38 minutes into the movie or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Anyways, the younger the younger boy Bo is uh finds a rocket and he's like talking to his sister and he's like, "That's how we're gonna get out of here. We're gonna go off in a rocket." And um, their dad sneaks up on them and like takes the batteries out of it and very aggressively puts it to the side and signs to him like it's too loud like we can't have this yeah and i you know, i thought that scene was really interesting as well that like he walked up and everyone froze like he was holding a bomb yeah it's, they were just like um you know oh shit <laughs> yeah but and then they take it away very slowly from him but yeah and then he explains it and then you know she the sister feels super bad about it hands him the rocket doesn't think twice they're walking home on sand which in and they're barefoot so you yeah. can tell like there's a lot of emphasis on being quiet you know and dad's carrying the sick boy mom's right behind him you know sisters yeah. behind him and then little brother which that was a mistake that was a mistake yeah i don't think that's <laughs> like, i think we all know that's not how that should have been but. right so uh, of course this little kiddo grabs those batteries puts them in and sets off the rocket and the interesting part about that scene is that Regan can't hear so yeah. she watches her family turn around and look in horror and she has no idea what's going on yeah and when she finally turns around to see like the rocket's lights are going she the realization on her face and then their dad just starts like running and then you see the creature come and just like take Bo and that's like yeah. the first scene which... yeah which is intense <laughs> well it, it sets it sets the precedence for like the whole thing. Yeah, so. it sets the stakes. Like the stakes are high if this the youngest boy of this family is gonna die in the opening scene. Like I mean, and I think the reason this movie doesn't scare me is because the creatures are kind of laughable. They look like a demogorgon to me. I do think that that was one thing was one of my critiques for the movie was just that I think that they kind of revealed the creatures too soon. Yeah, in instead scene, of which leaving... I don't it yeah. like um yeah because you don't i forgot i had seen the movie so long ago so when i was watching it again i was like dang we see the creature like right away you see the creature right away but then you don't see it again for for like a while it's always like in the background and like obscured slightly and stuff and i think that part of that this is just i, I didn't read this anywhere but i'm assuming that um this is why was i did read that the the opening sequence was filmed last Oh. And so I think that maybe that was a Oh, because he had to have like the beard, right? Because yeah, he's he like had to shaven. Shave most of his beard. Yeah. 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 Um, so I don't know if maybe they were just like, oh, we forgot that we <laughs> were like keeping it a secret and then we stopped keeping it a secret. Yeah. I, I mean, it does I think maybe it does it does play to the fact that like this movie isn't as scary because you do see the villain like right away. Yeah, I think that it would have definitely like made it a little bit scarier had they cut out that, that there's only it's only a couple frames where you see the monster but had you just seen like something take something him. take him and it wasn't quite so obvious um i think that maybe that would have suspended the like tension a little bit better yeah so then that's you yeah. know the title scene comes up that says a quiet place so then after that you see that say 472 so this family has been through yeah. a few days of this well a few years of this. it's been like a year and a half a year and a half yeah. of this and so then you kind of see them living their day-to-day -day life um you know he's 
like you see that the monitors in his farmhouse is like covered in notes about these creatures newspaper articles he's got a whiteboard that has all his notes about like how many are in the area trying to figure out like what they can and can't do if there are any weaknesses and that kind of stuff and this is like where you just see their day-to-day life you can sense that I think it's probably still lingering with them. The Like it's changed them as a family because right. I think that first scene you see them and they're like pretty together. And yeah. then in that next scene, it I, I noticed the contrast was like they were each doing like their own thing. Right. Um, yeah. For, for a good amount of it. And um, mom's pregnant. Mom's pregnant. Yeah. So that, you notice that, that. That definitely sets up some, we know that's coming and we know that it's coming with noise. Yep. And you can see, like, she's preparing for that. Right. Like, like the kids are doing, like, putting paper mache on the walls to try to dampen. They're, like, trying to set up, like, a, a si- soundproof, like, safe room for yeah, the baby. Basically for when baby comes. Yeah. And, you know, the dad is, like, looking at mementos mm-hmm. of the kiddo, like, trying on to get a silo. Of, trying to get a hold of, like... Somebody. Anybody. You know, he sets... I couldn't tell. What did he set the mementos on fire? Is that like what that scene was basically saying when he was looking at them? I couldn't I tell. But you know, remember. you see fires turn on across the way. So you know they're not alone. They're not the only survivors, yeah. but you don't they don't really follow up on that. And then, you know, they it's just them living their life yeah, silently. Their they're lives still doing trying to stay safe and mm-hmm. they make a lot of there's a lot of interesting like attention to detail things as far as like what they're doing to stay quiet. Like they're playing Monopoly and they have like little knitted yeah, it's not real pieces. pieces. Yeah. Uh, they've, they're eating their dinner off of like leaves and stuff instead of plates. One thing I noticed just as like a healthcare professional, I was wondering why she was using like an elastic band for her blood pressure and I was like, that does, I don't know about that. But then I realized like, oh yeah, Velcro would be too loud probably. Well, yeah. Well, and then that part where she's checking her blood pressure, like she doesn't even use the stethoscope, which I found pretty interesting. Yeah. It's like, uh, she uses the stethoscope to listen to the baby's heartbeat, but she doesn't actually use the stethoscope. So I'm like, yeah. how does she know her blood pressure? But blood pressure, a very important thing to check during pregnancy. So yeah. these people are prepared. Yeah. Um, you know, when they play Monopoly, they knock over... The, right. lan- the lantern and you can see like the panic they're all feeling and that's like the best part about this movie is the panic oh yeah john that- krasinski does like a very good wide-eyed <laughs> scared because they can't make noise face. like yeah. that they're they can't like have a normal human reaction which like if my kid even in like a normal setting where i'm not supposed to be quiet if my kid knocked over a lantern that set the place on fire i'd be like holy shit you know right. <laughs> it's yeah. like you can't even do that because like you, you have to just keep it to yourself and then he has to just fix the problem yeah you know so that's pretty interesting and then this was the part that i like, i didn't understand so they don't they don't live in their house right like their actual house they live like in the farm house side of things is that what i understood from it yeah they didn't make it super clear because it I seems like they're not living like in the main house because like you know when his when regan goes in you know, right. and she's trying to go downstairs and he grabs her and he's like, you know, you're not supposed to go down there. Well, I think that's where his like radio setup and stuff is. Oh, okay. Is downstairs. And oh, he and... was worried she was going to go down and make too much noise. Oh, okay. That's how I interpreted it. And they have a very tense moment. Like you can tell. Right. It's not the same as it was. Like, because, you know, the first scene in the movie, it's really endearing. Like he's clearly looking for ways to fix like her hearing aid so she can hear. 
and he gives her like a set of pliers and it's very endearing. And in this scenario, he gives her like the hearing aids he's been working on. She's very directly like, it's not going to work. It'll never work. And like when he tries to grab her face, like put the hearing aid in, she's like pushing him away from her and she keeps telling him to stop. So he just like puts them in her hand and like walks away. And so you can tell like, it's a very tense situation. Right. The dynamics changed for sure since Bo died. Well, and in some ways they're upset with her for giving him the rocket, you know, or like she, she's probably upset with her, but right. Anyways, then they go fishing and he's like terrified. He doesn't want to, you don't even know what they're doing. You just know, like his dad's like, let's go. And he's like, please don't make me go to his mom. And his mom's like, you need to learn this stuff for survival. Your dad will protect you always. Yeah. You know, and so then they go fishing, and that's when. But also, Reagan wants to go. She wants to go, and her dad's like, "No," right. and she gets pissed and like storms yeah. off, and like you know, gender norm- gender roles. She gets pissed and storms off in like a normal little. Right, you know, she's probably a teenager at this point, yeah. so she's going through some stuff. And- she's upset, and so you don't know where she's going, but she grabs a pair of pliers, and you're like, "Dude, what is she gonna do?" Yeah, and it's crazy because like I obviously wrote down all the notes, but it's like these scenes are intermingled with each other. So it's like they really jump between each character's what they have going on. And so like, you don't really see why she goes off of the pliers until later, but really the scene comes back together because you see why she does that. But while dad and brother are over fishing, you know, she also, while she's like packing her stuff, it looks like she's going to run away. Yeah. That's what Um, I thought. I thought she she was going to take off. She does decide to, put the cochlear implant on that her dad made for her and and, she tries to snap and she can't hear anything it doesn't work and she's heartbroken obviously so it kind of gives us a little bit more insight on the scene earlier she is like her dad's trying so hard to make it so that she can hear again probably also just because that's like the safest thing like if she can't hear she can't hear if she's making noise and it's probably very dangerous yeah so that kind of in retrospect, makes sense when he pulls her away from that room with the radios and everything, um, telling her that she might make noise. And she's like, I won't make noise. Like, she's deaf. She probably wouldn't even be able to tell if she did. No, especially so could, those, like, weird dangerous. radio frequencies. But... Yeah. So, yeah, she's heartbroken But, like, that, that snap, they did a really good job from her perspective every showing, time, like, that yeah. there's nothing there. Like, every it's time silence. it goes to her perspective or it shows her, like, taking her cochlear implant out or off or whatever you say. The the way that they use sound in this movie is really smart, I thought, especially yeah. when it's from her perspective because it'll show stuff happening around her and she just can't hear it. Yeah. So, you know, while they're fishing, you know, dad is like grabbing that fish and he drops it and it makes a lot of noise and the boy's like, I'm going to freaking run basically. Right. Like he tries They'll to run and he's you. like, no, he like tells him like he signs and he's kind of like, you kind of hear him whisper out loud a little bit. Same thing with Emily Blunt in that scene before where she's yeah. explaining to him, like his dad will take care of him. She's whispering. Like you kind of hear her voice a little bit. Right. Yeah. Which he, is a very common thing in ASL. Yeah. Um, they usually say what they're Right. If signing. you're a hearing person using ASL, there's a lot, a lot of the time there's like speaking that goes along with it. That's just like how our brains work. Yeah. And you know, people can read lips and stuff. So, yeah. so he tells him, you know, with the river, the sound of the river, you know, good big sounds are not safe, but small sounds are safe. And then he takes them over to the waterfall. And dude, could he give that kid a little warning? Yeah. <laughs> like yes. he gives that kid zero warning. That kid's like in serene, like calm, watching this waterfall, like sitting and in his dad's lap. Straight and, to panic. And his dad like 
woos as loud as he can <laughs> no warning whatsoever the kid looks like he's about to shit himself yeah. like <laughs> i thought that scene was so funny i was like you didn't even give him like any warning but yeah. they get to have a conversation which i'm sure they haven't had ever or in a long time in a yeah. long time yeah which i think just you know builds their bond up like a little bit more right they obviously talk about Bo's death and mm-hmm. talking about uh reagan and uh i think marcus asks him like do you blame her and he says no of course not and she's like well he, she blames should, herself yeah, you should tell her that because she blames herself and then he's like do you still love her and he's like of course i do and he's yeah. like well you should tell her that you know and yeah it's a very touching moment. And like, while this is all happening, we see she's off with a plier. She takes the rocket and cuts the wires so that it doesn't make a sound, but the lights go off and you see, she has a makeshift like grave on the bridge where Bo was taken right. for him. Right. And she's just sitting there crying, like paying her respects to her lost brother. And mom is, you know, in the house, the main house. Right. She was doing laundry and hanging up the the clothes to dry and, then she decides oh, and- to go into the main house and uh, sit in Bo's room, and she's very emotional. She's—I mean, you can tell it's only been like a year. Or yeah, and so it just since- is cool that they're all kind of talking about the situation. Right, they're like, all you kind see of their dealing grief. with it at the same time. Yeah, yeah. exactly, which just unites them a little bit more. I think yeah. it just shows that they're a united front. But back to the laundry thing, when she. <laughs> Get stuck on the nail. You see that nail go up, Home Alone style. So you're like, yeah. Ooh, this is this like is they're not going to show me that for no reason. And this scene is so good. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, uh, like they focus so hard on that nail when it's like sticking straight up, you know. And yeah, she just yeah. But anyways, as this happens, um, she her water breaks when right. she's in the main house, which her due date wasn't then her because she checks her blood pressure on like. I wrote it down, but she checks her blood pressure like two weeks before her actual due date. Like this is all happening in the same day and her due date definitely isn't that soon. Her due date's like the 23rd <laughs> and they're like two weeks before that. So okay. that's not too bad. It's not too bad, but I think it's like leads to the right unexpected thing. piece of everything. Yeah. So her water breaks. And Emily Blunt is just being a badass right like she's like (laughs) silently like breathing through her contractions because she can't make a noise and she's trying to like rush as quickly as she can to get to the house she turns the lights to red well she's running back to the house to turn the lights red walking down the stairs and she steps on the nail oh yeah she steps on the nail and drops the picture frame which make which obviously like shatters and makes a big sound um which ends up calling the monsters to them basically yep so yeah now she, not only is she in labor and <laughs> having contractions and trying she's to do that as from her foot. silently as possible she steps on a nail and now she has the, tetanus now, yeah now the monsters are <laughs> in the house smart lady because she grabs that timer yeah you know and sets it kind of far away so that she can distract the monster right because by this point you've gathered from the notes from the dad and everything that they're blind they're blind yeah so they have super sensitive hearing which is why you can't make any noise yeah but yeah she turns the lights to red and then she starts obviously laboring and it's gruesome she yeah she like gets out of the basement where the monster is by distracting it with the like timer then she's like gonna make a run for it but there's another monster outside so she has to pivot, go upstairs, <laughs> and she's like in the bathtub 
She's in the bathtub while that thing is like upstairs. It's coming. And the yeah, lights flicker upstairs. when they're close by. So the lights are like flickering and she's sobbing quietly like to herself, you know, and she's bleeding. Like you can see the blood's like pouring out. Like she's actively in labor. Yeah. Dad and son arrive home. They see the red. So then he tells his son, like, you're going to have to like set off a rocket, you know, right. like, set off fireworks. And he's scared, Make but he's like, sound. Yeah. he's like, you need to help your mom. Right. Your mom needs you. And so he goes off to set off the fireworks, which distracts the monsters away from the house. Regan sees it, and then she knows, oh, shit. And so she starts running towards home. Right. Which, like, that's a very, very quick labor. But I guess she's had four kids. I thought, I thought that, <laughs> so, too. Yeah. It all happens in the span of, like, 20 minutes. Yeah. Anyone who's ever actually been in labor knows that that shit can be, like, 24 hours <laughs> a <laughs> right. long time so um lee makes it upstairs into the house because he's trying to find her and he just sees the blood in the bathtub and he thinks she's dead and yeah then her bloody hand prints like up on the shower wall yeah like, but if door. you notice like once they shift away from him and to the shower you can see her pretty easily <laughs> through <laughs> through the glass like he <laughs> he would have seen her but you know that wasn't he had to be dramatic. Right. There had to be some tension and, and stuff. So, yeah. So they get her downstairs, like, as the monsters are coming and the baby starts crying and they get down into their, like, soundproof safe room and it works. They get to, they have, a, like, a little box for the baby to go in with, like, some oxygen because, <laughs> obviously, babies cry. Well, and I guess the parents of that infant were, like, totally chill about it, but everybody else was super nervous. Mm. So everyone else was being, like, super delicate about it because very nervous about putting an infant into a box. And so I was reading that, like, the parents of the infant were the chillest about it, but everyone else was, like, <laughs> hyper aware, like, oh, we need to be as yeah. sensitive as possible. You know, this is a very yeah. serious matters. But um, so... You know, he's carrying her home. They get down into the, the room. She wakes up and they get to have a moment, a moment of where they're talking and where they get to talk and they get to kind of Emily Blunt kind of gets to reconcile her feelings about Bo. Because she's feeling guilty that her hands were like right. free. She she's like, my hands were completely free. She could have been carrying him. Which like, yeah. I mean, yeah. not also, to... like you don't have to carry him, but just like maybe not have the youngest in the back. <laughs> yeah, maybe like have one parent in the back and one parent in the front. And that way, when that rocket comes out, you just be like, snatch it quick out of his hand and maybe just like yeah. give him a stern look with your eyes. You yeah. know, like everyone's parent has done that before where they don't have to say anything, but they look oh, at you and no. you're like, I'm no. in trouble. Yeah. I'm going to die. Yeah. And she she said something which I love, but she's like, who are we if we can't protect them? So like, you know, it's just. I think like it speaks to the fact of being a parent, like all you want for your children is to protect them. And it's like, I think they were feeling like failures. And so right. she's saying like, you have to, cause they're panicking about the other two. Right. The other two are like all over the crop fields, you know, like, yeah. Cause he runs into the tire and like knocks himself out yeah. and then he yeah. hides under there yeah. and he grabs her. So they're just talking about how smart the kids are and how they know what to do. Right. And They'll so wait for him. And so they go up to, the silo like the mm -hmm. top of the silo but they don't have enough fluid for the fire to like alert him yeah so <laughs> reagan who is still feeling really guilty and is obviously having feelings about like her relationship with her dad and stuff is like he's not going to come for me and so she wants to leave. leave yeah and um marcus is like no we have to wait like he'll come for us and she's yeah. like he'll come for you yeah <laughs> she's and having he, a drama moment. he like falls through 
like a trap door <laughs> in the silo. I mean, John Krasinski's character has been up there how many times? <laughs> but this like little, I don't know, 12, 13 year old boy falls through the thing into the corn and starts sinking. And so Reagan it makes a fucking to, loud sound. So then right now the monsters know, are coming. And, the monsters are coming for them. And so dad's quietly running towards them because he hears the sound. And meanwhile, mom is like watching them on the monitors. Mm -hmm. There's like a whole scene where they're like sinking in the corn and, and everything. Well, and in the scene where they go under the bunker, you know, there is a creature that like comes right into the house as like Lee pulls the thing over the bunker. So the creature is like messing up the house. So there's flooding happening in like the bunker yeah. with mom. And so that's when she's like, she wakes up again and she sees like the water everywhere. and just as and the baby's box is like moving away and for some reason the lid is off yeah so it's like but as she goes to take the baby out of the box then the monster there's another monster in there with her so there right. are like monsters all over the place there are monsters coming after the kids while dad's trying to reach them and then mom's dealing with a monster in the flooding bunker you know it's just like crazy how like the creatures like right. in sync with her like yeah. when she gets out of the bed you know to put like her feet in the water it like dives into the water like goes underwater and i was mm -hmm. like shit can they hear better underwater <laughs> like, maybe can he hear her like walking around or something so that that part kind of freaked me out and then yeah. when yeah when she goes to grab the baby out of the water his face just like comes out like right by the box i'm like ew get yeah. away yeah <laughs> um <laughs> so she's dealing with that right and then the kids are like Regan jumps down into the corn which i'm like this is very smart this is very smart let's just both sink and then she saves her brother with a Titanic door. Yeah. Well, I think that that's the, the him falling through, making a loud sound is what draws the monster away from the mom. Yep. And because she's like pretty close. She's like face to face with it. And then. It, yeah. It she like that scene head. where the water's dripping and she goes behind it. And it's like in front of the um in front of the water, like the dripping water. And yeah. it's like super close to her and the baby's crying. And you're like, oh, God, here yeah. we go. Yeah. It's going to hear. So. You know, they're in this silo and she uses the door to help her brother get up, but then she sinks through. Right. Which it's like the scene in Titanic. Right. Jack, the the like, corn's basically like quicksand. Yeah, which I was reading actually that that wouldn't happen unless yeah. the bottom was Right, unless open. there was a place for it to go. Like unless it was like leaking out, it would create a barrier which would suck them in. So realistically, they probably wouldn't have sunk. They probably would have just right. sat on top of it. But right. details, right? right? Details. Yeah. Like, I would have never known that. Movies are allowed to take It's a, not like they consulted. Maybe they did consult with some farmers, but it's not. They did, actually. I saw they got, like, 20 tons of corn or something, and they actually uh, got local farmers to, to farm it. And I was reading on a fun fact that, like, they wouldn't have needed that much corn that they had in the field, yeah. and that that corn was probably planted would have to have been planted by a machine, which is loud. Yeah. So details, whatever. whatever. I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah. I mean, I even remember, so I saw this movie in theaters, which if it ever comes back to theaters and you enjoy this movie, I highly recommend it. Like it's a very, um, unless you have movie. someone crunching popcorn next to you. Right. Well, I went to go see it by <laughs> myself. So I was basically alone in the theater and it was so quiet and it was, it was it's it eerie. Great. It was great. This movie is like very builds up on the intensity of being eerie because of right. the silence. That, it's very, very tense. I would yeah. say it's almost more like <laughs> tense than Zach, scary. 
Zach went, I would not survive. And I was like, I know. Because <laughs> he talks so much. I was yeah. like, you'd literally be like two seconds into this and you'd be like, damn it. And then like <laughs> the creature would just get you. So yeah, you know, the creature finds them and then that's when her implant like starts to like go haywire when yeah, they're it, around. It, it had happened like once before, before they ended up on the silo. But she didn't see the monster, so she didn't know what was happening. Yeah, she he was, was like was behind her like in the cornfield. Yeah, she was getting a lot of like feedback on her cochlear implant. But what I was going to say was that like even when I saw it in the movie, I remember thinking like, okay, so they're in the corn and they're sinking. But then when they're hiding under the door on the corn, they're not they're sinking. Not sinking. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden they're... <laughs> With the monster on top of them. Right. And the monster's not sinking. <laughs> like... There's a little like suspension of reality and you suspend your disbelief and stuff. But Well, and if you're like super nitpicky, I'm sure some people were very nitpicky. They were yeah, because right. I saw it on yeah. IMDb. Like I looked up all the goofs and there were like a million <laughs> listed. I was like, yeah. this is very in-depth than even more so than I would feel like I really go in-depth with films and I don't think. Yeah. But yeah, so... It happens yeah. again, and the creature just, like, takes off. Scares it away or whatever. It scares yeah. it away. And they have – I think she picks up on it now. Like, I think she's kind of like, okay, that every time that sound happens in my ear, you right. know. She's making the connection that it has something to do with them. Right, being around. Yeah. So um, she – they the monster, like, tears open the silo. They are able to get out. They – Reunite with Dad. Reunite with Dad. He's like, um, let's get back to the truck. Yeah. So they are, like – making a run for it and trying to get to safety, but then the monsters are still there. Yeah. And this is where mom's watching on the screens. Like she's looking for her family and she's got the baby and the kids are stuck in the truck. Mm -hmm. John Krasinski has like a, an ax or like a. Yeah. And the creature's like on top of the roof. And that's when you hear the kids scream like really loud. Well, yeah. Cause John Krasinski like swings at it and it hits him and knocks him out of the way, knocks him out. And so Marcus screams, which draws the attention of the monsters. So the monsters are like trying to get into the truck. Reagan turns her her cochlear implant off because obviously the feedback's like painful for her. Right. Um, so it's like trying to get into the truck and then you see John Krasinski oh, makes a decision. This scene made me cry. <laughs> and Zach started asking me questions while and trying to hold back my tears. But yeah, he sees Reagan and he says, he signs like, I love you. I've always loved I've you. loved always loved you and then he screams very loudly yeah. and she has to watch him be killed by the monster as her brother drives the truck away. Right, he just like lets the the emergency brake go and the truck slides down the hill. Which like wasn't there there could have been a lot of options. He didn't have to scream and like yeah. sacrifice himself. Like he could have thrown something off to the side to distract them, but yeah. But ultimately, you're nitpicking. Well, because (laughs) you don't want the main character. Like, he's like worked so hard to keep his family alive, you know? Yeah, but this was like the the culmination. This was the finish or the end of his uh, story arc. He had to prove it to to Reagan so that she knew that he does still love her and he never stopped. It's so, a callback to the scene in the, uh, yeah, we forgot to mention this scene when they're coming back from fishing. This is where they run into the man in the woods. Oh my God. And uh, 
he screams. John because his wife was dead, right? Yeah. That... I don't know exactly what happened there. At like, first I thought he was like a cannibal. He... Yeah, did he kill her? Like they didn't I was like, wait, did he do that to her or did a monster do that to her? And I think like a monster think, did that yeah, to he, her he and just... he was distressed and he yeah. just screamed and Yeah, he just didn't want to go on it. This poor guy, Lee, is just like running with his holding his kids like in every scene pretty much. Like yeah. to get them away from these creatures. But that part's also really crazy because you know marcus can hear the sounds of this creature murdering this guy and he's just like he can't even handle the sound he's just like covering his ears because it's just so scary yeah and you have to think like i'm sure any sound for them is also probably like their ears are probably super sensitive to sound at this point now as well yeah that you think that that's probably like painful for him to listen to yeah could be not just the fact that it's freaking terrifying but but anyways Emily Blunt, you know, her character Evelyn's watching this happen on the screen so she knows her husband was just killed. Right. The kids make it back to her and they're in like the basement where all of um, Lee's radio equipment and everything is. And Regan sees that he's basically dedicated all his time down there working on stuff for her. Yeah. And it makes her more emotional because she sees all the different devices he's tried to use to Mm -hmm. build her something to help her hear and then the monsters come the monsters come she figures it out yeah because they like they destroy some of the tvs that are down there because they're making sounds and so the they static kinda, yeah. yeah they kind of that make, monster has no chill yeah they kind of make the connection that that there's something with the sound yeah um, and so that's where reagan figures it out this is and, where technology saves you yeah <laughs> so she turns on her cochlear implant and the monster like freaks out and like passes out like i don't know it just like <laughs> i was like did she kill him yeah, no thought, she didn't kill him no so. and then it like gets back up and is about to attack them emily blunt has the shotgun from earlier um shoots that motherfucker <laughs> reagan like turns the sound all the way up on the amplifier puts the her cochlear implant up to the mic monster freaks out and emily blunt pops a cat <laughs> She kills it. But then yeah. that sound draws in all the rest of them. Yeah. And you think you're about to see this huge battle go down, but no. They just like... Cut to black. Well, and then, you know, Evelyn and Regan look at each other very knowingly. Right. And like, they know you know, what she they can do cocks like the shotgun or whatever. And it's yeah. like, they're ready to battle. Yeah. Like, they know what they need to do. Probably, probably the only scene that I didn't like very much was that ending scene where she like cocks the shotgun and then it fades to black. It was just kind of like a cheesy action movie <laughs> ending for like a very well-crafted tense movie. Um, yeah. So like, I didn't, I didn't love it, but it was okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I the thought... rest of the movie definitely makes up for it. I think so. So that's the end. Yeah. What's your, uh, what's the, the rating on it? Oh, I mean, I, I love this movie. I'd say probably like a 7 out of 10. I give it a 9. A 9. Wow. I liked okay. it a lot. I think it's I think it's exactly what a thr- I would want out of a thriller. Yeah. And there are a lot of jump scares in it. Like Zach fell asleep a couple of times and he was startled awake by jump scare after yeah. jump scare. So that's Well, yeah, anytime that there's sound in this movie, it's very jarring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the sound editing is great in this movie. Yeah, so we have some facts. Um, obviously, since we're now box office brunch, we're going to talk about the box office part of it. Yeah. Um, which will be really, really fun. Yeah. We got all of our info off of IMDb and Wikipedia. So yeah. those are our sources. I used another, Don't come for us. 
I used another one, but I can't remember what it was. It's like movie facts or something. I don't know. I'll, yeah, uh, and I got my fun facts off of BuzzFeed, too. I, I saw okay. a BuzzFeed article. Yeah. So this movie came out April 6, 2018. Um, it had a budget of $17 million, which I was really surprised. That seems like so low in the world of like <laughs> Marvel know, it movies. It seems like a lot stuff. of mo- money for me. Well, but. it is. Yeah. I mean, in actuality, it's a lot of money, <laughs> but in like Hollywood and movie I know production, it's not. It's, but when you think really about it, they only budget. had to pay five actors. That's true. Like they didn't have like a lot of probably. Basically only two though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's true. In its opening weekend, it made fifty point two million. Which, yeah, so, so it was actually it pre- made its money back and then some. Yeah, it was predicted, I think, to make sixteen to thirty million mm-hmm. in the opening weekend, and then it just like completely defied expectations and made like nineteen million on the first day, which is impressive. That's I yeah, mean, but also crazy. it was very well um, advertised, like. Right, because it even had, the trailer it, had yeah, like the had, silence in it. Yeah, and it had been debuted at South by Southwest, and it had like so a movie festival, and it yeah. had gotten great reviews there, and so it had kind of like a lot of hype going into it. Yeah. So then, what movies came out that weekend with it? Um, there were eleven movies released that weekend, but the main I don't know blockers came out that weekend, which is Contender. like a it's like a funny like. Oh, yeah. Chappaquiddick, which I think I had heard about. It's about like the Ted Kennedy car crash and like oh, his. I never heard um, of that. Like one of his Some like, movie staffers buff I am. died in the, in the car crash. Oh, okay. Um, uh, and then another like a crime drama called uh, You Were Never Really Here with Joaquin Phoenix came out that weekend. A couple others came out, but those were kind of like the other ones that did well. Doesn't seem like. It didn't have a lot of competition. Right. Yeah. Like it didn't come in line with like, you know, because so overall it made $341 million in the box yeah. office. It fell behind in its like second and third weeks because Rampage came out and then Avengers Infinity War came out. Right. So but, it wasn't up against Avengers like its yeah. first weekend. But it was kind of like a standout for a horror movie. Yeah. Like typically horror movies will like debut really well on like Friday night and then have like a huge drop off across the rest of the weekend and then the next weekend it's like basically non-existent anymore but this movie kind of did really well the first day then kind of ramped up throughout the weekend and then continued to do well um even the following weekends i think it was like the second highest grossing it was still second it just got knocked out of the weekend it was like second i think so it did it was very well received and did really well which i think is great because i think it deserved it I think so too. Um, and it was just funny because John Krasinski was like not interested at first. He was like, I don't do horror. And then yeah. when he read the script, he was like, oh. Yeah. No. And then Emily Blunt like encouraged him to direct it. This was only his third movie that he directed and his first for like a major production company. Yeah. And then she encouraged him to hire somebody else as Evelyn, but then she couldn't see anybody else being Evelyn. So she like convinced him to hire her, which like. Yeah. Gosh, must be nice for yeah. your husband to direct a movie so you can just get a job without really having to like. I mean, I mean she's perfect. She, she's Emily Blunt though too. I she's think that she probably would have had an easier time finding work than than he would even. That's true because I mean I think he's so everyone who hears of John Krasinski is like The Office. The or, Office, yeah. You know? 
Like that's he what was, he does is the dumb humor. Right. But at the time, like he almost turned it down because he was in the middle of doing the like Jack, Jack Ryan, Ryan series, which is really good. Yeah. Um, he was kind of, can I just say like, he looks so much better with the beard. I know. Zach was like, <laughs> oh, he, he grows a beard pretty nice. And yeah. I was like, yeah, he looks really good. I with saw the beard. a picture. Like I, after watching this movie, I saw his like IMDB picture is him without a beard. And I was like, no, that's not it. That's not it. Yeah, I mean, because I'm sure shaving makes a loud sound, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, fun facts, right? Yeah, and so, we'll, I guess we'll start with, like, some of the more obvious ones. Like, obviously, Millicent Simmons is deaf. deaf mm-hmm. um, and so she helped, actually, I think, coach some of the actors and stuff on sign language, because obviously she already knew it. Yep, there are real pictures of John and Emily and their family in the movie. So yeah, those pictures in the house that. are, like them with their kids with their actual kids yeah um the movie was filmed in 36 days which is impressive that's it that's impressive but i think that that's why people are drawn to it it's simple it's a simple film it's not concept i mean the most cgi thing in it is the creatures yeah everything else is pretty the the simplicity of like the storyline is kind of what actually ended up winning over john krasinski he Mm -hmm. when he He's like, man, I don't want to do horror. But then he found out that it was really about like a mother and father trying to protect their family. Yeah, he actually quoted. He was quoted in that BuzzFeed article. He said, "The film is meant to be a metaphor for parenthood." Um, He was quoted saying, "We had just had our second daughter three weeks before I read the script, and so I was living with the terror of hoping to keep her safe, hoping to keep her alive. Was I a good enough man to be her father?" All those themes are in the movie. And so in my rewrite, that's what I drilled down to even more. Yeah. He watched a bunch of horror films and then he paid attention and wrote notes as to when he was feeling uneasy and Mm -hmm. why he felt uneasy because he wanted to include those types of things in, you know, the films. And so in Alien, he was like, it's because you just fear for the safety of the main character. Right. So that's kind of he played to those themes. But I thought this was a funny fun fact because if I'm in a post-apocalyptic world, this is not going to happen at a grocery store near me. Just saying. The, the fun fact was all the food in the store is gone except for chips. <laughs> I love potato chips. This would be the first thing I would rip off the shelf. Yeah. Do you know how loud chips are? Oh, God. I forgot. That's about the that. whole point. That, that's why the chips are there is because oh opening the bag. And... Well, then I'd be a goner. There's no way I'm giving up chips. You and Zach are toast. Zach's going to talk and you're going to be crunching away on <laughs> chips. Oh my gosh, a world with no crunchy snacks. Yeah. It's over. Game over for me. Um, the bathtub scene was done in one take. Yeah. She finished up and asked what was for lunch. Yeah. Which, like, she what? like just out immediately, <laughs> like, what's for lunch? I thought this was interesting. The sound editors use sound envelopes to put audience into the character's perspective. Hmm. I don't know what the hell a sound envelope is, but no. I think it's just like, you know, uh, isolating the sound yeah. specifically well, to that character. Well, I do character. know that they they were pretty strict about limiting the amount of sound that staff could make so that when there were sounds being made on set, it was emphasized and stuff because obviously like the movie is so quiet that you really can't have all of the production staff like making all of this. Well, if I was there, I'd be crunching on potato chips. (laughs) So carrots, (laughs) vegetables, what are you eating in this world? Mashed taters? You roast them. And then they don't crunch anymore. I don't know. I you don't can't know. roast them. What do you roast them on? She had like that 
oven in the, the ground. She made fish and vegetables. Yeah, I don't know. Did you watch the same movie as me? <laughs> I did, and I thought that was really interesting how she did that. But yeah. I, at the same time, I'm like, yeah, I want some carrots and some ranch. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. my food choices would have been um, the end of me. Um, something that we had mentioned earlier is that John Krasinski played the creatures in a in a motion capture suit for a couple of the scenes, which which is why, cool. like, I guess the first test run I was reading was like they were worried because the first test run he was like. It obviously wasn't the final edit, so it showed him like half in the suit, and so people were laughing, and so they thought, "Oh my god, this film is not going to be a horror." Like people are gonna, the reception was bad. People were just laughing about it, but it yeah. was like it wasn't completed. So, because right. I'm like, if I saw John Krasinski in a half creature suit, I'd laugh too. Yeah, I mean, I laughed in certain scenes, anyways. Yeah, not when the creatures were hurting it. <laughs> just like in certain scenes when stupid shit happened, like yeah. when he ran into the tire, I was yeah. like, "Oh my god." Um. Stephen King loved the movie. I know. He didn't that love John, The Shining, John, but he loved this. Yeah, John Krasinski King of horror. said that that was like the biggest compliment for him was Stephen King tweeted, and I don't have the quote, but he basically was saying like the use of silence in the movie was just like genius. Yep. And then Millicent Simmons suggested the I have always loved you line, which actually made John Krasinski cry. Aww. So she suggested that he say that to her. Yeah, overall. I, I have one more fun fact. Go for it. They were not originally planning on subtitling any of the. I saw that. The ASL. They, they wanted that, the audience yeah, to feel it they, out. They were like, they'll know, they'll know from like the vibe of the, the movie and like what's going on in the scene and stuff like that. They'll, they'll be able to catch on. But then there was the scene where Reagan and. Uh, Lee are arguing about her cochlear implant and it was like they were like nah they're probably not going to be able to like understand understand the, this the so complexity we have to, of the relationship right they're like so we have to to subtitle this and if we're going to subtitle this then we have to subtitle all of it yeah so I thought that was kind of interesting and I think that I think that they're right for the most part that you probably would have been able to pick up on most of the things but that scene would have been kind of difficult yeah and then the scene where like Reagan wants to go fishing. And he's like, next and he, time. <laughs> he won't let her and stuff. That I think that would, those two scenes probably would have been a little bit more difficult to follow. Well, and then you look at it from a parent's perspective. Like, you know, we're thinking, oh, because she's a girl. But realistically, you made a good point in the fact that she's deaf. Right. So he's more so just probably scared for her more than any of the rest of them. Right. And that's why he doesn't. He probably doesn't want to deal with the stress of having to worry about her, right? On top of everything and she, else, she is she, like they make a point of saying it that she's very smart, but like she is, she has she's she has limitations. Right. Like when the monster's behind her in the cornfield, she has no flipping idea. Yeah, you know, like she could have stepped on a twig and Been said done. that. Yeah. yeah, set that up, and she has no idea that things behind her like stalking her. Yeah, so pretty interesting. But do you think uh, it's a cult hit? Um, no, I wouldn't say that it was mm -hmm. like, I I think it was so successful and is continuing to be so successful. I mean, I don't know what we're defining exactly as like a cult hit. I think that that would I be like if it was unsuccessful and then developed a following after its theatrical uh -huh. run. But I think that this was so successful while it was in theaters and then even afterwards that it's just a hit. Yeah, I think it's a hit. And I think it's really eerie that it's set in 2020. Oh, I don't think I knew that. Mm -hmm. 
Because actually, I noticed that when she's looking at Bo's grave, it says 2016 to 2020. And I was like, oh my gosh, this started in 2020. Woof. Yeah. We would not know. See, we fought over toilet paper and lots of things. (laughs) (laughs) It would not have ended well for us. (laughs) I guess I would take, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's pretty creepy that this movie is set in 2020 and then something like a pandemic happens. Yeah. Just to really test the human spirit. Yeah. Found that really interesting. Uh, Yeah, I mean, tell us what you guys think. You know, write in. Please let us know what your thoughts are on this movie. If you liked it, if you didn't like it, if we messed something up, bear with us. You know, we're not movie analysts. So, you know, if we jump around with the plot, it's just because we're like remembering as we go, we have notes. But realistically, this is a very relaxed kind of thing. So if you're more in wanting a chronological scene by scene thing like we did in the first episode, um, we... It may not be like that for every episode. So just right. keep that in mind. Not every movie is as complex as these movies we've been doing. So um, sometimes it may be really simple where we're just giving you a really just good, nice, sweet plot without too much detail, especially as we start to get into rom-coms and stuff because there's not much right. to be said about <laughs> But yeah, let us know. Um, write in suggestions for movies you want. And then we're going to do a live drawing. Of- yeah, to figure out what our next film next is. movie is so we've taken our top 10 for each of us um and we've just used a randomizer on the computer that we're gonna just do live right here and then that's like gonna be our next movie and so please write us in because your movie might make the cut and maybe be in the drawing all right so it's currently spinning we've got 20 films here so we'll see what we're watching next it landed on the prestige the prestige so we're gonna watch the prestige next which is exciting yeah i love me some hugh jackman oh yeah all right guys so we'll see you next time um thanks for tuning in and like i said just um send us your suggestions and have a great day all right bye. bye can i get a mimosa